Well, hey, everybody, it's uh, Pastor Leon here with the awesome and talented and fantastic Meredith. Hi. And this is Pastor Cast number 35. Holy cannoli. 35 of these suckers. <laughs> so uh, we're on a roll, man. I think we've, uh, this is maybe less than a month between Pastor Cast. I know. I'm, I'm so proud of us. Yeah, because uh, just a little bit of information about what's been going on. Uh, we, uh, Our church recently got back from a trip from uh, Guatemala, and that's where I was this past week and change, I guess. And I was uh, at an audit. Meredith was... Uh, a spiritually gripping audit. Meredith had an audit at her uh, law firm, her title company, plus a whole bunch no, of other stuff. it was a client audit. A client audit. Yeah. Yeah. As so, usual, you're totally, absolutely knowing everything that's going on in my life. I have. Well, you just, you don't tell me anything. <laughs> you really don't. I do. There's so many times no. when my lips are moving and you are just not listening. No, because what you do is you'll you'd be like, oh, I don't, he's not going to understand this. <laughs> Possible. All right. Enough of us. Okay. So um, what we thought we would do tonight, because it is night when we're doing this, um, we thought we would uh, spend a little bit of time talking about communion. And the reason why we wanted to talk about communion is because um, at our church, we recently made a change. And when I say recently, I mean since I got here. And when you say we, you mean When you. I say we, I mean me. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they tell you when you first start at a church not to make any changes, you know, like not just to kind of let things go for a little while and get to right. know the congregation and so forth. And uh, this is the third church that I've entered into as a new pastor. Wow. I know it's kind of weird to think yeah, about. Yeah, I do. Um, and so I've made a lot of mistakes in the past. I've done a lot of things, and you know that I shouldn't have done, or that I wish I hadn't have done. And I've, you know, I've made some positive things as well. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I probably learned most, more than anything else, is that it doesn't matter what you change or what gets changed when you're the new person coming in. You are going to either get blamed for it or take credit for it, depending right. on which. Uh, depending on where people land on the issue, on the issue. Sure, of course. and so I've just you know I just learned a long time ago that you do what you know in your heart is the right thing to do, and you just sort of you know you you don't listen too intently to the people who are patting you on the back, right. and you don't listen too intently to the people that are <laughs> stabbing you in the back, <laughs> and you just go for it, right? You just move forward, and so one of those issues that I just decided, you know. This is something that I believe so strongly. It's a hill that I'm willing to die on. I'm going to put that flag in it and die on that hill um, was to have communion every Sunday. Um, and when I say communion, for those of you who are kind of maybe uninitiated, um, it's uh, the, the Lord's Supper, uh, the Eucharist. Uh, for, the, for our Catholic friends, it would be the Mass, although it's not exactly the Mass in a Protestant setting. Um, I guess you probably wouldn't be able to qualify it as the Mass. Um, but you could say it's But Eucharist. you could use those same languages. Right. And they so know forth. what we're talking so about. So now that we all know what we're talking about. Right. So that was one of the things that we decided that, you know, this is really important. Uh, our staff was supportive. Uh, so we made that change uh, to do communion and uh, celebrate the Holy, um, Holy Eucharist uh, every Sunday. And so, you know... Almost overwhelmingly, I think, people in the church have been really supportive of that. Um, We didn't really, I didn't really make a whole lot of explanation. I just said, you know, this is something we're going to be doing. And and then there were some folks that didn't quite understand it and haven't haven't fully embraced that. And 
um, part of it, I think, and I, I was having some conversations with some folks and, you know, I realized, you know, hey, maybe, you know, we needed to explain a little bit more in depth uh, why this is so important, like why this is such a big deal to me um, and why I think it's it's a huge part of what we need to be doing as a church going forward. So anyway, um, I've been slowly sort of doing that okay. uh, with small groups and with individuals. And then we did I did a little bit of a teaching one Sunday morning before the, the whole before we celebrated communion. So anyway, I guess we, you and I have been talking about this a little bit. And right. So thought, I'll yeah. do the, How about we do this one as a question and answer? Okay, go ahead. And on. I will ask, I will be You'll the... You'll be the interviewer? I'm the interviewer, uh, and I will ask uh, from the position of those people who do not agree with weekly communion or are having some struggles with it. Okay. Um, because I, I think those are the ones you need to talk to. Um, okay, so for those who say that it takes away the specialness of the celebration of the Lord's Supper if you do it once a week? What what do you say to that critique? Well, um, I mean, I would, I would argue that um, not doing it every week uh, takes away from the, the specialness of it because um, what matters to you, you celebrate. What matters to you, you do repeatedly. Um, I mean, just in life, you know, so the things that we ma- that matter most to us are the things that we want to go back to again and again and again. So then the next question then is why does it matter to have communion every week? Well, I mean, I think it comes down to identity, you know, so when you talk about what the first church did, um, and so let's just kind of go back and think through what the first church did when they celebrated together, um, you know, on the first day of the week. Uh, they would gather together and they would celebrate Holy Communion. Um, and they would read the Word. They would have the Word proclaimed. They would sing. They would pray together. They would uh, be instructed together. It was their worship service on the first day of the week. Now, why did they do it on the first day of the week? Because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. So, um, And they were doing this. Most of these groups, most of the groups that were, that were doing this, were, were Jewish in the very first, you know, days of Christianity, the first years of Christianity. So they still kept the Sabbath right. on Saturday. So what does that mean? On the first day of the week, they got up very early and they celebrated and did all these things and then went to work. Um, you know, that, that was part of their life. This was part of who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, it was their identity as this new community um, that not only still sort of, you know, held on to their Jewish roots, but then also had this new thing that they were doing that made them who they were. So they remembered what Jesus did when he gathered with his disciples. And he said, um, you know, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Uh, this is my blood poured out for you for the, you know, for the cup of salvation, you know, so forth. Um, and he said, this do in remembrance of me. Um, this is what you do, you know, to remember who you are and remember whose you are. Um, so it was a huge part of the identity of the early Christians that they do this every single time that they gather together. All right. Well, I was, okay. So I believe you because I read Acts and because right. I know you to be truthful. So I believe you when you say it was something that was important to the early church. Why should it be important to our church today? Well, I think that now more than ever, we need to be reconnected um, to these roots um, you know, the church has become so corporate. Mm. Um, it has become so mm-hmm. business-like, um, mm-hmm. and especially the church in America. I mean, I think about, um, 
you know, all of the things that we, we do as pastors uh, to learn how to be pastors in the 21st century. And I get the same training as a CEO. Right. I mean, of a, of a business. Right. I mean, I, you know, that's the kind of books that I that I'm I'm encouraged to read. Budgets, customer service, budgeting, customer the services, wow, you know, the, yeah, all the stuff, right? Right. Um, and I, look, I, I get it. I mean, there's you know, you're you have to you have to live in this culture. You have to understand it. You have to be able to speak the language to be able to then speak the gospel into it. But if you so get if you get so diluted by the culture around you that you begin to lose your sense of who you are, then how do you retain that? How do you get back to the roots of it? Well, you go back to the things that are identifiers of what it means to be Christian. Uh, and, and holy community, the sacraments are part and parcel of what it means to be Christian, what it means to be a holy community. So, so when you're planning the worship service and you... Uh, intend on having communion as the last thing we do. Why is that? Why do you think that's important for what we're trying to do together as a community of faith? Okay, so this is where our Catholic brothers and sisters have got something that I think is truly important that in the Protestant culture was lost and I think is being retained or get regained, reclaimed, mm-hmm. you know, maybe is a better word. So um, in our Catholic brothers and sisters, believe that they are taking in the body and blood of Christ, mm-hmm. um, that it's like a kind of literal thing that they're taking in, and then they are sent out into the world to be bearers of Christ. Yeah. Um, so when the Protestant Reformation happened, there was this sort of huge pendulum that swung away from everything that had to do with the hierarchical and ceremonial and traditional sort of side of um, of the Catholic Church. Now, Luther did not do that because our Lutheran sisters and brothers still have a very high view of Holy Communion, and for the most part, they will celebrate it. You know, for the most part, they will they will celebrate it as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, our Ang- Anglican brothers and sisters, same way. Episcopal, mm-hmm. same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what's happened, I think, in America and with some of the more um, you know. Uh, egalitarian kind of of uh, communities of faith where they really wanted to break down the sort of mysteries and hierarchy of the church where you've got this sort of special people doing this special thing um you know then you've got you know like the more the baptists and the congregationalists and um you know so forth and so on even methodists to some mm-hmm. extent and then presbyterians as well so if you keep you know, extending all that out, you know, they were very keen on the, on, you know, elders and the lay people being the ones that really, um, you know, were administering the, the sacraments in a lot of ways, maybe not sitting at the table to officiate. Um, but so I think that said and done, um, there was almost a move to demystify it, to make it more symbolic. Um, and be, when it became more symbolic, then it doesn't really, why does it matter when you do it, as long as you do it occasionally? And so uh, a lot of Presbyterian churches back in the day, back in the 1800s, early 1900s, they would only do it once a year. And you had to like pay, have a chip, did you not? You did. Didn't you have to have like a coin or some kind of thing where your house had been visited and you had been deemed worthy to partake in communion that year? Absolutely. Yeah, I remember hearing stories about that. I saw them at our first Presbyterian church in Evanston, yeah. uh, where we served in Chicago, um, they still had the, the chips as part of their archives. 
and there were these little like wooden chips that had decorations on them. And so the elders would go around to every member of the church and they would visit them in their home. And they had a checklist. I've, I've seen the checklists where they would, they would look in the sanitary, you know, is the home sanitary? Um, are there, you know, is there, you know, are the children well taken care of? I mean, so it was almost like this is a social worker who's coming in to inspect your home and make sure that you're worthy to do whatever it is that, you know. I mean, it's just really interesting the way that they went about. Now, they were very faithful in that. They felt like this is how you, what you had to do in order to be a good church member. Mm-hmm. But it was once a year. And if you didn't pass muster, you didn't get your token right. and you couldn't take communion. Right. Okay, so that that's the, I guess that's the next place my mind goes is, is okay, if we decide that it's something we need to do every Sunday um, because we want to stay grounded in Jesus, right? Right. We want to make it the centerpiece of our time together, not the music, not the message, but the reminder of Christ, right? So that is why we're doing it. Um, how do we keep it from becoming so routine that it's throwaway? Well, that, that's a really good question. And I think I also need to say, um, kind of stepping back just a little bit, and maybe this is part of that, is that, you know, what our Catholic brothers and sisters get and they hold on to is that they are, as they're taking Christ out into the world, that's something that I think we need to, to really reclaim um, and to lift up. Um, and so that that is part of liturgy. That's part of, like, my job in a lot of ways is being able to, to help you know, people understand that. Now, the words that I use, um, you know, some, sometimes I feel like they're inadequate. You know, I need, to, I need to do more almost to try to explain what, we're doing, what right. we're doing. And so I think that we have to have pastors who are willing to really teach rather than just breeze through. And, and the temptation, trust me, the temptation is to look at your watch and realize that you're five, ten minutes over, mm-hmm. and then just say, I'm just going to do the quickest words of institution, you know, yeah. you know, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and I'm doing it like the, the an auctioneer, right, you right, know. Right. But I think reminding people that, you know, whether you believe it literally or symbolically, um, and, you know, and there's a blurry line maybe between that, that you are taking Christ and, and then carrying Christ out into the world. That's the whole idea of being sent. Um, a lot of cathedrals uh, are built with, in such a way that when you're walking back out of the cathedral, when you're heading out through the narthex and so forth and out of the sanctuary, um, a lot of cathedrals will have uh, paintings and depictions of the book of Revelation. Um, or, on, the, on the exit, about right. the exit, you mean? Yeah, and they understood Revelation a lot better than than most people do now because of you know bad theology for the past two hundred years. But they understood that that there's there's a you know you need to be faithful. That's what Book of Revelation was all about. You need to be faithful uh, followers of Christ in a world that may not get what that means, and um, a world that might even be hostile to what it means to follow Jesus. So, Yeah, I know to me the faithfulness is huge. Um, To me, the fact that we have communion reminds us of why we are together, right? Right. Because you can go lots of places and hear good music and an inspiring message that will make you go out and be a better person and live a better life. And you can do all those things, you know, at a variety of social gatherings. 
But when we, as Christians, I think what delineates what we're doing is the communion aspect, that, that reminder, making it the centerpiece, the thing that we come back to no matter, uh, you know, whether we like the sermon or not or whether we like the music or not or whether it was too hot or whether we were hungry or whether we sang too many verses of the hymn, whatever, 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 it somehow takes us out of our selfishness and our own needs and desires and brings us back around to Jesus and I think that is one place that our Catholic brothers and sisters got it right. To them, the most important part of the gathering is the communion. The, the homily, the message is good. The reading of the scripture is good. The most important thing is, um, is, is the communion, is the opportunity to take in Christ and then go out and, and, you know, into the world. What, have, what do you say to those people that actually have some physical difficulty in the, the way that we take communion in our church, for those those listeners who haven't uh, ever visited, is we do it by intinction, which means that you come forward um, and dip the bread in the cup. So let's first talk about why do we um, use intinction, and then I want to talk about those people that may have some difficulty in, in, in coming forward. So so why do you, you believe that intinction is the way that communion should be done in our church community? Um, well, I think there's... There's something to be said for the movement that we make. You mean the getting up and going? Right. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about that. I mean, when I grew up, I grew up in the Baptist tradition, and after every service, they would have an invitation, mm-hmm. um, an altar call, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were times in my life where, you know, there were things that that I, you know, that moved me. I remember once we were at a church in um, St. Simon's Island. Oh, Yeah. And they, we went to the worship service there, and kind of unexpectedly, um, in the, you know, at the end of that worship service, you know, and the guy was an okay preacher, or the music was good. It was mm-hmm. like a, you know, it was yeah. it was a good service, but for some reason, I don't know what it was. There was something going on with me, and they had an altar call, man, and they had all these people. It wasn't like where you walked up and then like somebody came out and like put their arm around you and led you to Jesus, right? But you know, you went up and you had the opportunity to kneel and to pray. And I remember thinking, you know, as, as I was going up, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this after all these years of being away from the Baptist church. But there was something moving about that to move forward and move towards it. Um, then the in Catholic and Episcopal and Anglican and many Lutheran congregations, you do have to come and you have to approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the language in Scripture is all about that. You know, uh, let us boldly approach the you know the throne of grace, you know, the throne of God, and find grace to help in time of need. You know, like those verses always come to mind as I'm thinking about inviting people to come forward, that they can get up, they can move forward, they can be together. There's something about standing in line with other people that also gives me the sense of the baptismal thing, like where John the Baptist is baptizing by the Jordan River and there's a line of people and Jesus is among them, you know, going to be baptized and you know, so I, I think about all those kinds and of things. And I think, too, I, I remember tonight we were talking about how all when we talk about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, it's always moving, right? It's water moving, living water moving. It's doves descending. It's flames dancing above the head. There's this sense of movement. I mean, I think that for me, when I get up and move forward, it, it kind of reminds me that I'm supposed to be moving forward, chasing God all the time. Um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I know for me, yeah. that's that's a huge thing about the going forward. So then that leads to the next question. What about those people in our congregation and others, um, you know, our listener churches, that they have a physical difficulty? I think that they, 
you know, we have some people that use canes or walkers or maybe are unsteady on their feet. And I think that, you know, for them, it's like this either I get up and go. They, I, they have like kind of this three choices and they don't like either one. I get up and go and I might fall down. I sit down and don't participate, in which case I feel awkward. Or I have someone come and serve me and I really don't want to put people out or be in imposition or draw attention to myself. So what do you say to those people that actually have a, a challenge, a physical ch- a mobility challenge? Well, I think um, those those people can give the congregation and give their community of faith an opportunity to be Jesus and to be connected. Because, you know, if you're, you know, if someone in front of you is, is elderly or has something wrong where they're moving slowly and they're coming to the table, um, you know, it's kind of hard to be impatient. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- that should speak into your life, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm with this person and then to also realize that, you know, I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to come a day when I'm going to, I'm going to be tottering to the table. Um, you know, just like I was once led as a child to the table, I'm going to need somebody to lean on to help me to the table. And that's just the way the church is. I mean, that, that's the church. Um, and, and the only thing I would add is those people that like literally physically can't do it. Then let they, people serve you. Right. That's the thing. You know, someone having the humility to be served is tremendously moving. I um, had the opportunity to serve communion frequently at our prior church. And I know that the times that I had to go and offer communion to someone who was too sick or too feeble or whatever the case may be, it was um, it was such an enriching experience for me as the person offering the communion. Right. Um, I think that I don't want, I, so I, I feel, I, I want those people who are struggling with it to know, okay, it's okay if you're going to struggle going forward. And if you just can't go forward, you know, that's okay too. Um, people are glad to serve you, need to serve you. Our, our congregation needs to see each other at all phases of life. I mean, that's in all phases of, of wellness that's one of the things I love about our church is it's not an old church. It's not a young church. It's a church that has, you know, everybody, uh, all ages and all health. And uh, living our life together includes uh, how we do communion together. And I hope I have the privilege of one day being old enough uh, where that's, a you know, a decision I'm going to have to make. Uh, you know, am I, am I going to go forward or am I going to sit here in humility and allow myself to be served? So, Well, it's a tremendous gift, I think, to give to people to give them the opportunity to serve you. So in a way, if you are if you are willing to have the strength and the humility to be served, you have just given somebody else the opportunity to serve, and that's a huge gift that you can give to them. So why would you deprive somebody of a blessing? Exactly. Because it's a blessing to be able to serve communion and to walk and to give it to people that are not able to get up. Well, one thing I was thinking about, I know this kind of circles back to one of your prior answers, but I wanted to fill in with this little bit. I was thinking when someone said, uh, was complaining about it recently, they said, well, it's just not special enough if we do it every week. I thought to myself, well, well, wait a minute. We read the Bible every week. We pray every week. We listen to a message every week. Are we saying that those things aren't special because we do them every week? I mean, if you really think it through, the things that are repeated are the things that become the most meaningful if you stay engaged and keep repeating them. Right. It's the things that only happen occasionally that uh, are less important. 
uh, because they're not important enough to be consistent. Does that make sense what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. Makes because sense. at first it says, yeah, that's right. If we do it too often, it's not special anymore. But then if you think about it, well, then why do we read the Bible every time? And why do we sing every time and have a message every time? I mean, we do those things because it's part of what we do as a worshiping community. And for me, having that communion at the end helps me remember that it's not about me it's not about the worship team. It's not about the choir. It's not about whatever. It's not about you and your message. It's about Jesus Christ. Absolutely, and that's how it comes down. I think, and, and let's be honest. You know, so if we're be, if we're all being honest, then what it really comes down to is if you are you know having a huge issue um, with a change where you're doing you're celebrating communion more, then you know honestly that's just a preference. I mean, it really does come down to preference. Now, it might be a very deeply held preference. It might be something that is really meaningful because it was part of your tradition and how you were raised. And I mean, I get it. I mean, I you know I I've been I've been there. You know. Yeah. So, um, but in the end, that's what it comes down to. If we're going to be the kind of community that we say that we want to be, then we're going to have to be willing to do the things that are necessary for us to be different. Um, you know, and there's, there's a million churches out there um, that, you know, are trying desperately to figure out what the next big thing is so that they can <laughs> attract the most people and, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, if you really and truly want to grow in depth, if you really and truly want to be the kind of church that sends the right message, then do those things that are ancient that are, that are absolutely grounded in Scripture, that are part of what our identity has always been, that really sets us apart from a social organization or some you know, other sorts of group, right. um, you know, that's what sets you apart, is the sacraments. Do you celebrate Holy Communion as often as possible? Are you trying to encourage people to be baptized? You know, those mm-hmm. things are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, so, they're not throwaway things. They're not throwaway things. Yeah. Right. And I guess that my, my final thought would be it is so meaningful to, so, to, the, to the people to whom it matters deeply. That is, those people who just love that we have communion every Sunday. Um, I would say to those people who don't like it so much, maybe just um, enjoy the enjoyment of those who do love it. And maybe over time, their your heart will be changed. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's I not do. like it's a it's not like somebody's pulling your fingernails out to have you go forward and take communion, right? You know, it's not awful. It's not like somebody moved your pew or something. It's <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's like and, and it's, let's and let's let's just be. I mean, let's just be clear what we're talking about here. We are talking about right. communion. It's like it's like Alan Iverson all those years ago when they were they were like you know so you really didn't have a very good practice or something like that. And he goes, let's just he goes let's just be clear what we're talking about. We're talking about practice. <laughs> you know we're talking we're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. I'm like we are talking about communion. I mean this isn't like we're talking about some deep theological divide that we have that we can all sort of disagree. I mean we all can agree that communion is awesome. Yeah. I mean it is it is amazing to be able to do that. Um, it is part of our identity as Christians. It's part of what makes us the church. It's part of what um, you know Jesus commanded his disciples his followers to do. It's on what a, Jesus told a, us to do. On a, every time they gathered. I mean there's there, every evidence suggests that every time they gathered, they broke bread, they drank from the cup, 
and they, they proclaim the Lord's death until he, can, until he comes again, as the Apostle Paul said. And honestly, if we're not gathering together to proclaim the gospel, then what are we doing? Why are we even doing this? Right. You know, and I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that I'm in the Protestant tradition that values the sermon. Um, you know, that, that's a huge part of why I am who I am and why I'm Presbyterian and why I'm, you know, and because there's, you know, the sermon is important to a lot of people. Um, but, you know, it's like Paul said, unless Christ has been raised from the dead, then everything that I'm preaching is foolishness. Right. You know, it, it means nothing. So I think that if we're, you know, we're sitting there gathering and taking in Christ and acknowledging that he has risen, we're acknowledging that he is among us and that we are taking Christ in and we are carrying Christ out into the world, not the dead Christ, not the person, not the, the body that was in the tomb, but the living Christ. We're carrying uh, Christ out into the world. Um, then that's the key. Right. You know, that's the thing that needs to happen before we're sent. And that's the centerpiece for me. That's, yeah. that's that centerpiece argument for me. It's yeah. the most important thing that we yeah. do. All right. Good talk. And um, so since only 12 or 15 people will listen to the podcast, <laughs> are we going to be talking about this from the pulpit or I no? Am. What is your thought? I think I am. Uh, we're going to be doing a sermon series on Christian practice uh, in a couple of months. Um, and then we're also going to be talking about it a little bit when we do the next sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, when we talk about the communion of the saints. Uh, which is part of the Apostles' Creed. Wonderful. And so I'm going to talk about it there. And uh, I will probably be talking about this in a bunch of other places. We're going to continue to grow, and we are doing it together, which I love. Um, And I love you. (laughs) I love you, baby. And thanks for teaching me the beauty of communion. Well, you're very welcome. And I I think it's something we both have learned together. We've grown up together on this. Um, So... uh, Friends and neighbors, we will probably not do another pastor cast for a while unless we decide that we're going to get crazy and do one while we're on vacation. Which we should do, honestly. Uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. That might happen. <laughs> um, but we're going to be on vacation for the next two Sundays. I'm not going to be gone two weeks, but we'll miss two Sundays. Um, and Pastor Britta is going to be preaching at our church on the last two installments of the sermon series we've been working on entitled created for a purpose and so but that's not until next week that's not until next tomorrow Tomorrow, july 30th july 30th is tomorrow i will be preaching on what it means to follow jesus so you were created to follow jesus and so i'm going to be preaching on that about how you are uniquely positioned and prepared to fulfill god's purpose because you are made to follow jesus and we're going to talk about what that means and how that can transform you and how that should transform you and how maybe if it's not transforming you, then you're then not following. Maybe it's not following Jesus because following Jesus always transforms you. All right, cool. We will be talking to you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.